What's up, church planters and church planting enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. What's going on, Matt? What's going on, brother? Not much. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. We're excited today because we've got Micah Milliken on with us. Uh, Micah, he's the Senior Director of Planner Development uh, for the SIN Network of the North American Mission Board. And uh, he's married to Lori and he's got three boys. Uh, Micah, it's good to have you on today, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy it. You bet. You bet. So, Micah, I just like I just said, you serve as the senior director of planter development for the Sin Network. It does sound important. That sounds important. It does. So, tell us, (laughs) what does that entail? How important is that role? Uh, It basically means I work really hard to surround myself with people that are smarter and more accomplished and have written more books than me (laughs) since I I haven't written any. Oh man, you got to get on that train, bro. No, man, I'll I'll defer that to the experts like Dino, Sinesi, and other guys. So, yeah, so with with planner development, uh, what planner development with the SIN network entails would be uh, um, doing everything that we can to develop uh, planters, spouses, really, and their team members to plant healthy, multiplying churches. And so we're really aimed at um, the health of the planter and seeing that as more holistic and not just caring for the planter and their spouse and their marriage and their family, but, but training and coaching, the, all of that kind of wrapped into one thing. So development entails orientation, training, coaching, care, really aimed at health and multiplication. Awesome. And, you know, that those four components, the orientation, training, uh, coaching, and care, um, Practically, what does that look like? Um, you know, when you're trying to develop a planter and you're taking a guy, I mean, obviously you're wanting to find planters and then you're wanting to uh, equip them and deploy them ultimately. Can you kind of walk us through uh, those four components? Sure, absolutely. So when a, when a church planter, um, you know, receives kind of the call of God on their life to plant a church, they kind of step into what we talk about, the SIN network pathway. So they jump into a pre-assessment, kind of determine where they're at uh, developmentally in their, their call. Maybe they're approved and ready to go into our assessment retreat. So they go to the SIN network assessment retreat. And if they get a green light, uh, they would walk through through a process if they desire to do so to become an endorsed planter with the North American Mission Board uh, and the SIN Network. So they go through that and they're endorsed um, as a planter. Their next step would be um, to come to our SIN Network orientation. So when we we have a SIN Network orientation, I'm not I'm not sure what comes to y'all's mind when you think orientation. I, I'm sure you don't think, ooh, this sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, because uh, we've all been in those types of orientations, but the orientation for new church planners for the SIN Network is an altogether uh, different um, experience. Um, it really is kind of a welcome to the family, and we're trying to cast vision for and equip um, new church planters around our values of brotherhood, multiplication, and restoration, because we believe that those values, yeah. if championed by planters in the city, um, that's the raw ingredients needed to see um, a movement of uh, church planting. And so we really try to love them, care for them well, welcome them into the SIN Network family, and then cast vision for what could be so that they go back to their city and begin to 
think not just their church plant, but think their city and not just themselves and their team, but also the other planters who are planting with them. So that's why we ensure that the orientation is uh, basically led out by practitioners. We get church planters who have actually seen those values come to life in their city, and we have them come back and teach the next generation of church planters. I think that that's what makes the orientation so special mm. is that um, – in a way, we get to see the fruits of what's happening in church planting on display every year with a new crop of planters. We've got guys who've been in it for you know five to ten years who actually have seen the movement of God in their city, and they're talking to new guys saying, hey, this is what you need to do if you're really going to want to see movement. So it's a pretty special time. So from, from orientation, they, they kind of – hopefully they, they see a vision for what could be, and they get inspired to want to be a part of that in their city or in their community or wherever they're planting. Um, Cause orientation is not just for sin city guys, but it's also for guys outside of the sin cities, which is pretty um, incredible. Yeah. Very exciting. So from there, what, what a planner would do is then uh, in their city or in their community, their context, they're going to jump into one of our sin network training cohorts and the sin network training cohort coaching happens at the same time. So they're going to be in lockstep. Um, with other brothers in context, um, growing in various different competencies that we think are critical to seeing um, a healthy multiplying church uh, planted. Um, you guys have you know, been a part of that, seen the benefit of it, but really helping a church planter to discern what is God's unique kingdom assignment that he's given to that individual. And then you have a cohort of guys and a licensed trainer. They're going to help them discern what that is, unpack it and develop really their, their vision, their mission, their strategy, their values to plant a unique church. That's not just focused on one church plant, but has this idea of multiplication. And the beauty of it is, is that we have coaches that would be assigned to them to kind of walk them through all of that for a couple of years um, I think the one of the neatest things that we get to do for our planters is, I mean, just recognizing the the grind of church planting. Yeah, is all along that process we have a team not only here in Alpharetta or Atlanta, Georgia, um, who are focused on caring for the planter spouse and his family, but we also have field staff that we work through as a team to make sure that we're doing everything we can to breathe vitality into the life and mission of our planters and their families. So all of that kind of combined is we, we want to make sure that a planter is not going into the journey or into the trenches, as you guys mentioned alone, but there are other brothers and sisters who are in the fight with them. So we, we want to make sure that that's happening and taking place for every church planter. Bro, that is so, that's so awesome. man. those things that you guys are doing encompassing, I just kind of want to push the pause button and say this, man, that, that orientation is insane yeah for all our listeners out there man like we we we, jared and i of course and micah we're part of the sin network and north american mission board uh we know there's planners that listen to this that aren't a part of uh the sin network but why though but why why would you not be why (laughs) but this orientation is insane man so like we sent planners to this orientation when i came through in 2012 it wasn't quite the same yet it wasn't what it is today and uh, so we sent some planners down to this orientation, and they came back. And Jared, you were one of those. Maybe you could just speak into it, man, for a second. I know Mike would be encouraged. Like, what did that mean to you when you got into that room and you saw what you saw? Yeah, I think the thing that um, probably impressed me the most while I was there was how, um, I don't know, just how much we were celebrated, I guess, in a way. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that like, 
I remember you guys, and I remember you, Micah, uh, you know, up front talking about this and saying, like, we want you guys to know, like, um, how much we uh, appreciate you and we're here behind you and we're cheering you on and we're here for you. And I think just, um, you know, knowing that, that we have that support, um, it really does make a huge difference uh, when you go out into the field. And sometimes that can, I think, be the difference between a guy staying in the field when things get hard and a guy deciding yeah. to call it quits. Um, when things get hard, uh, I think that's why, you know, most church plants end up folding and failing because they don't have that support network. And, and I know that, that, that everything, you know, the, uh, uh, the orientation and the training and coaching and care, all of that is, that didn't just come out of nowhere, right? That's been from years and years of experience and lots and lots of really, you know, uh, experienced planters who've been in the trenches and who've done these things coming together and realizing what planters need yeah. uh, and what got, you know, and I think brotherhood is, is so critical and, uh, and the ongoing care um, that the SIN network provides, I know is, has been huge. Um, even, you know, my wife, uh, I remember the first time she got a letter in the mail from the North American Mission Board and it was, I think it might've just been for her birthday or something like that. And there was a like mm -hmm. a gift card, and it blew her away. She that's, was just that's like, what you, you stole that card, right? You bought a book or something? No, I didn't. I didn't do that to her. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, things like that, you know, are I think what sets um, apart yeah. the Sin Network in some ways, uh, because those things really do make a difference. Man, um, that that know. orientation, I got a chance to go down and just see it firsthand. It's incredible around that value of brotherhood, those guys get together. And I mean, by the time we finish up that three day period, those planners, I mean, they feel like they go back and I love how we finish up that orientation where we go to our regions and we pray together. Yeah. And man, you go out and, and those guys are building relationships with one another and they go out and they feel like, man, they can just go take on the world for the glory of God. Yeah. And I love that, how you guys build that, that brotherhood uh, uh, principle in there. Well, Michael, one thing our listeners need to understand is, Man, you're on the front lines as well. Yes, you you serve with the Sin Network, and and yes, you're with North American Mission Board, but you're an elder pastor as well, and you're in the local church there in the Atlanta area. And so, talk to us a little bit about that. And then, with that being said, tell us about your church planning, man. Like, how how are you guys engaging the harvest and all those kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely. So when I when we moved to uh, um, Atlanta, Georgia, to start out with North American Mission Board seven years ago. Uh, we wanted to find a church that we could jump in and and uh, and then just get our hands dirty and and serve and care for people and um, and I've always you know been a, a pastor and wanted to serve as a pastor if the Lord would allow and so even when we moved into our neighborhood when we bought a house here we we wanted to ensure that we were living in that community as as if we were planning a church so we stepped into a church called Northside Church it's in uh, Roswell Georgia it's about three miles from our house. And, uh, man, we've been replanting this church for about seven years. Yeah. Uh, it, and it has been, uh, uh, it has been, uh, grueling at times and other times it's been incredible. I mean, as you, you guys know, with church planting, sometimes you experience that highest high and the lowest low on the very same day. Uh, the replanting experience for us has been very much the same 54 year old Southern Baptist church and, um, kind of dealt with a little bit of the, you know, uh, family kind of run family started church and uh, a very, very uh, traditional service at one time. And then a, and then a contemporary service kind of appealed to younger families another time. And so we just went through the process of um, 
rewriting bylaws and, and and moving from this senior pastor deacon kind of model to more of a plurality of elders. And we installed elders and, and uh, reshaped the values of the church. And man, so there have just been a lot of things that we've done over um, the past uh, seven years. We went through about a 16-month interim period. We're preaching and teaching and casting vision for what could be and should be. And wow. Man, it was hard. And so, I mean, our, our, I'm just to give you guys kind of an idea of where this church was. I mean, we had a, a, a very traditional service where they were still doing gospel quartets with the foam colored microphones. So, <laughs> yeah. um, as, oh, you're, as, you're, as you're thinking about a contextual strategy there in Toronto, wherever you're at, if you would add <laughs> foam colored microphones yeah. and some quartets, I promise you, man, you will, you will, you will penetrate the harvest like never before. Fellowship Oshawa, are you guys going to be doing that this Sunday? I'm telling you, we are looking for a worship leader. So. <laughs> well, we, got, we can we can ship some of those foam colored microphones with a couple gift cards for your wife, and then All you right. guys. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking of a banjo in Toronto and and how that would go over, man. Like, wow. Man. Hey, look, but a banjo would have been. A banjo would have been progressive for the service to tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, so we had to we had to transition. Yeah. We had to we had to transition that service, and we, you know, there was it was a Sunday school kind of model with rows, not you yeah. know, service. and so we had to kind of change culture from within and start community groups in homes, and um, yeah. you know, just every there was just there was a complete shift and change. You know, one of the things that uh, Chuck Lawless says in this book called. Um, uh, eating the elephant, he talks about how do you how do you change culture and how do you change like even like replanting like how do you do it? And he talks about man, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time, right? And so we've just been taking bites and and, and changing things over a period of seven years. Um, now, so I'm encouraged to say now, I mean, we have a really health, healthy elder team, and um, that fits the size of our our congregation. Yeah. Uh, we've we've really uh, decluttered a lot of the programs that were just kind of appeasing people. Focus on gospel community mission. Um, we're now uh, and have been supporting a church planner in Miami. We're probably going to be doing some supporting in Toronto. Uh, our- Toronto, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. There you go. So we're actually we're sending out a guy out to. Um, He's heading out to L.A. to Los Angeles, and we're going to be st- coming alongside him and supporting awesome. him. And and man, we we love we love church planters, and our church loves church planting. And we've got the church planting pipeline in place, and we're yeah. hoping to one day uh, send out one of our guys, probably bivocationally, co-vocationally. So yeah, man, we just so that that I think for me has kept me grounded. Yeah, is local church involvement, serving as a pastor at my church, and. So it's been good, man. It's well, really that, good. That's amazing. Bro, the, the reason why we asked that question to you is because we know you're local. We want our listen, listeners to know you're in the local church. But the, the primary reason is this, man. Like, So going through a revitalization, that, that's hard. It's like super hard. And so <laughs> speaking to this facet, like one of the things that is always amazing to us, as Jared already um, already said about with his wife and Jen and stuff and how, how they're cared for and how... The Sin Network and NAMP uh, really cares for the planner. So going through a revitalization as difficult as that was for you, what kind of impact did that have on you to say, man, like I'm, I'm on these front lines. There's planners that are out there and they're, they're having difficult times just like I'm going through. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the way you view care for the planter and how, how important is that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's absolutely critical. You know, I was just, I've been, been reading through, uh, through Exodus, um, as a church. And, um, you know, you, you just look at, uh, uh, Pharaoh and the hardness of heart that, 
um, existed in his life mm. uh, perpetually. And, um, you know, he could look around and see the evidence of miracles. And yet there was still this hardness of heart. And I, I was just thinking about just just life and ministry in general, that we all face the, 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 the tendency to have hard hearts and the need for ongoing daily encouragement. I mean, that, that's what the scriptures talks about. Encourage one another day long it is called today yeah. um, because we know that that sin is so deceitful and it always leads to a hardness of heart mm-hmm. and so i think for for so i've kind of recognized that in in replanting this church with um three or four really good buddies who have been committed to encouraging one another daily as long as it is called today having close brothers that i can be really honest and transparent with um, where i can talk about my sin struggles and then they can encourage me to follow after God's design for my life um, has kept me in the game. Yeah. And so I, having having brothers who you can be honest with that can encourage you to do the right thing and follow after Christ and enjoy him has has kept me in the game. Um, and I think just having times where we as brothers get away and spend time with each other, where our families get together, we understand what each other are going through. Um, that has been critical to me. So as I've been thinking about my, my local church involvement and the difficulties of replanting, it's constantly made me think about our church planters. And so that's why yeah. we're very intentional when we think about our plan to care for and encourage our planters. Mm. So there's some things we do throughout the year just to drop in notes of encouragement, um, uh, gifts for the spouse, birthdays, anniversaries. We do those things because we know that there is a need for ongoing encouragement. That's why we do events for our planters in the cities and we get the spouses together and the couples together, and families together, because they need to have people that they can be in lockstep with in the trenches. Mm. Just so someone can look at them and say, hey, don't give up, don't quit, stay faithful, um, continue to pursue Christ. So I just think the relationships, the ongoing encouragement has for us, I think, um, prioritized, very intentional, systematic um, encouragement. Man, that's good. In the trenches. That sounds like the name of a good podcast. It does. We should start one. We should start one. Yeah, you know, I was um, one of the things that, that my wife and I have discussed a lot. You know, we, I've, I've got a call to, to church plant for the rest of my life on me, so I know this won't be the last church that I plant. Mm. Uh, Lord willing, uh, that I want to plant lots of churches uh, before I die. And but one of the things that she's already told me is like, hey, uh, the next time we do it, I don't want to do it with just us. Um, and you know, one of the benefits that, that we do have up here is we, you know, we have the fellowships network. So we, not only do we have the benefit of the North American mission board, but then Matt came up here with a vision to start 12 churches in 10 years on the East side. And, and pretty soon after he got here, we met Matt and, you know, loved the vision and jumped on board. And so that's been huge. But even with that, there is a sense in which, and, and Mike, I'm sure you are, know this as well, uh, like you need people with you yeah. at your church because it's different. You know, like Matt um, is, even though he's 20 minutes down the road and I know I can pick up the phone and call him whenever I want. The fact is, is he's not in it at Fellowship Oshawa with me, right? Mm-hmm. He and Erica, they're, they're pastor in their own church or Matt's pastor. And uh, sorry, we're complimentarian. Oh, Erica pastors too. <laughs> She, you know, <laughs> she she calls the shots behind the scenes because we're Southern Baptist, but she's the leader. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Could you maybe speak into that a little bit, Michael? Like how important is that? Because I think that's not very common. Like most guys, most planters are not planting with another couple or with, with a team like that um, unless they're getting sent out of a pretty healthy, large church. 
uh, yeah. that, that can send the team. Could you speak into that a little bit? I got you. Well, I, I think um, I think scripture's uh, uh, very clear. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm doing premarital counseling with this couple in our, our uh, community group tonight. And uh, on the basis of my conversation with them comes from the book of Genesis, where it says uh, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, that's an incredible verse for us to help guys understand. You probably need to get married, bro. Um, yeah. So but but I think it speaks to uh, just our need for biblical community, like our need for uh, one another. I mean, Proverbs 18 talks about he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I think. A truth that we all understand is that we're never at our best when we're alone. Never. I mean, think back to some of the dumbest decisions you've made. You probably processed that decision in isolation. So we recognize that when it comes to church planting, probably, if not the greatest danger, I think, is isolation. Mm. Like you you so desperately need to have others who are in lockstep with you. You can be really, really honest with. You can be very transparent with. Um, and if you don't have that, I just think you're in, you're in dangerous, uh, grounds. And, um, that's why, um, why we emphasize community groups so much at our church is that you need to be in community with others that you can walk through the good, the bad, and the ugly of life with each other, pushing each other towards Jesus and his mission. So I think with church planters, I I, I would tell them, I think you, you need to work really hard as you think about church planting. You need to have some brothers and sisters that are in lockstep with you that you can plant with. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's like the great theologian um, from the movie, uh, you know, uh, from gladiator, you know, that one scene where he goes into the Coliseum and he says, live together, die alone. I just think you're, you're going to live if you have other people surrounding you. Mm. Um, So in church planters, we, we would encourage church. We would encourage planting with teams, like get a team of people that you can plant with find another brother who's called plant with him, go at it together, get your families together, build that core team in such a way that you are really shouldering the weight of the plant um, together. So yeah, so that'd be, that'd be a huge encouragement. That's why we do everything that we do with orientation. We want them to recognize they need brothers together. That's why we do our training cohorts in cohorts so that you can do the training together. That's why you have a coach to come alongside you because we know you, you may think that you're the, the entrepreneurial guy who can do it by himself, but Man, don't go at it alone. Go at it together. Yeah. So isolation is definitely one of the challenges or, or even loneliness that church planters face. And, and I know you've got, um, you know, you spent some time focusing specifically on the planner care aspect with the North American Mission Board. And, and now you're really uh, focusing on planner development as a whole. Because um, mm-hmm. you may be... Um, Speak into a little bit more. What are some of the the, the biggest challenges uh, from mm. your experience that you see planters facing aside from uh, maybe loneliness and isolation? What are some things that can be dangers? No, that's good. Um, I think one uh, misplaced identity mm. is is a big one. I mean, as you guys know, uh, just as men in general, I think we have the the tendency or the temptation to find our identity and what we do in our performance. And, uh, you know, Paul Tripp talks about just the danger of finding your identity in ministry, because if you think about it, nobody is beating down the doors to come to your church plant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just not, nope. It wasn't like people in Toronto were like, Matt, you finally arrived. We've been looking for a gospel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and chances are that didn't happen. And yeah. chances are that 
happen for anybody who's that's planning right. a church in, in an area that's desperately needed of, of, of the gospel. Mm. People aren't people don't naturally run towards the light. They they run away from it lest their deeds be exposed. So nobody's asking for a church. So the ministry is a, a terrible place to find your identity in. But I think that a lot of times church blenders, they, they seek to find their identity in their church plant or in what they do. So I, I one encouragement I have for church planters is, and replanters, whoever, find your identity in Christ. Um, find your identity in the finished work of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Remember that God's love of you and his approval of you and his satisfaction to you is based upon what his son has done for you, not on what you can do for him in the ministry or else your your life will be a roller coaster ride because yeah. you know lunch day lunch day you're gonna have you know let's say you have 75 you have 100 people and then the, the the next week you know you you're down to 40 or 50 and then you know you're you're pressing on that person's that team member as much as you can invest in them and all of a sudden they're like i'm out dude i'm, I'm going back to tennessee or mississippi or i you know whatever like it's find it in christ um walk with that humble confidence Mm. Um, so I would say misplaced identity is a big one. Um, I don't know if you guys would agree, but I, in my experience, that seems to be one that can just crush guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I, I think so many guys come into it and they, they don't even understand. We talk about this all the time at the fellowships. Like guys don't even understand how much pride they have until mm-hmm. they get into church planning and the spirit begins to do what only the spirit can do. And he begins mm-hmm. to strip away that nonsense because he knows that that's going to inhibit kingdom movement mm-hmm. it's going to in- inhibit multiplication and growth and all those kinds of things and so man i would agree like just kind of following up on that question as as you i know being in your role micah you talk with planners probably on a daily uh at least weekly basis and what are some of those things that like guys on the front lines like speak to that guy out there man who's just lonely he's maybe depressed he's anxious and um he's got some of those problems and man he's trying to do the right things he's trying to he's in community because we've all of us, we've seen guys who, you know, they're in a cohort they're but they're struggling, man. Like how, how do you come alongside those guys and, um, and try to kind of propel them forward? Yeah, I think those guys, I would just encourage them. Uh, don't, don't grow weary, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't grow weary. Um, commit yourself to doing what is good and what is right. Yeah. And, and trust God for, the harvest, you know, you, you focus on being faithful, Mm. focus on being faithful and then pray that the spirit and his timing will uh, bring the fruit. You know, I think if we spend all of our time uh, focusing on the fruit, I'm not seeing fruit. I'm not seeing fruit. We just, we, we confuse really our role in ministry. And so I would just say, generally speaking, focus on faithfulness. You be faithful to what God's called you to do. And so that when you lay your head down at night, you have a clear conscience that you're being obedient. That's right. And and then trust God to to bring um, the fruit. Um, but just know that the fruit may look different than what you think. Yeah. And so Man, so it is it is a it is a trust it is a trust thing. It is a dependence thing. And I would say for for the guy who, um, you know, we tell planters all the time, uh, walk with with humble confidence. Yeah. Walk with humble confidence. And so. And I think that helps you address and deal with and respond to the peaks and valleys. So when you have like this peak moment where, oh, my gosh, we've had several people come to Christ and we baptize people and start a new community group and whatever. OK, so that would be a peak. So I say in those moments, uh, walk with humility. Yeah. If you know, at the end of the day, this, this is not happening because of your charisma and your That's ability. Right. 
this is happening because the grace of God is at work. Yeah. So, so, and then on the next Sunday, when people are like, bump this, I'm going to go to this other cooler church plant because Jared's yeah. got a really cool worship guy and Matt yeah. doesn't. Yeah. You know, so I, I would say in those moments, uh, let your confidence be in your calling, let your confidence be in, um, uh, what God is, is doing behind the scenes. And so it's the humble confidence in responding to the peaks and valleys. Don't take your highs too high, your lows too low, but through it, that steadiness of, of humble confidence. Man, that's good. I think, you know, the, the biggest indicator, and I know this from experience because I kind of went through this, um, you know, my, myself, right. You know, pretty soon after we started, um, was if you, if your mood or, um, you know, your, I guess your happiness is rising and falling based upon the attendance on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. and based upon the number of baptisms. And that's a really good indication that you're not finding your identity in Christ, that's right. uh, that you're finding it in ministry. I mean, that's just how you, you measure that. And what's funny is that, um, I, I actually, uh, I was, uh, I preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago and it didn't have anything to do with this. It had to do with evangelism. And I was talking about the sovereignty of God and, and God really, I kind of hit me between the eyes with some things on that. And, and one of the things I realized was that, you know, we were, we were talking about the fear of man. And um, I realized that every time I go up and share the gospel with somebody, that that person cannot even receive the message that I'm uh, delivering to them unless God lets them, mm. <laughs> unless God opens yeah. their eyes. And all of a sudden, it, it, that really kind of just took the pressure off of me. Yeah. And I think that that applies to church planting as well, that like ultimately, like, it doesn't matter what we do. God is completely sovereign. And, um, you know, I, I was praying last week and we've been praying for a while uh, for some some specific asks that we're asking God to, to do some specific things in our city um, and to, you know, we're asking him to save a specific number of people. Um, and, you know, God asked me during my prayer time, you know, Jared, are you OK with you, your church being a church of 45 people? Like mm. for, you know, perpetually, mm. like, is that okay with you? Can you live mm. with that? If that's my will. And I think sometimes we think, well, that can't be God's will. Like God's will must be for us to grow. And, mm. and, and yes, you know, God's will is for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. But that does not necessarily mean that God's will is for my church to be a church of 250. It might yeah. be his will for my church to be a church of 45. And am I okay with that? If that's what brings him the most glory even if I can't see how that brings him glory. Uh, and yeah. I think that's what resting looks like yeah. Um, yeah. and not striving. So. We've, we've, fallen, we, we've, been in such a, we've been in such a culture of results orientation, right? So yeah. we, 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 we take you know, principles from the business world or from marketing or whatever it may be, and we try to implant it into the church. And we say, if this isn't happening, then God must not be working or God must not be doing. And so we focus so much on the results that we have to take a step. We have to take a step back. We have to read the word of God. The results aren't up to us. Our faithfulness mm-hmm. is up to us. And so, like, yeah, man. Back to this original question, like planters. If our identity isn't in Christ, then you're always going to find your identity in the results. And you're gonna. Yeah. And and Micah, you can speak into this, man. Is kind of wrap this up. But like, we talk about multiplication. We're seeing like this new idol. I'm seeing this new idol surface in church planners lives it used to be how many baptisms it used to be how many numbers now it's how many churches so now it's not necessarily about how big your church is but now it's about how many churches have you planted and like that's a core value for for us as a network for the sin network and and for nam we 
the, that value of multiplication. We want churches to multiply. But at the same time, if it could become another idol as well, where you can say, we're, we're, we're doing this and it can become prideful. And we're like, we've started this many churches and you're all about growth, but we're all about multiplication. And, and, uh, so man, I, I just think if, I just think if our identity isn't in Christ, these idols will just keep on replacing the next one. So if it's not baptisms or numbers or Sunday morning attendance or giving, we'll, we'll come up with a new metric and make that the idol. Yeah. And now it's multiplication. It's how many churches have you started? How many small groups have you started? So we got to be careful. No, I think you're right. We, um, I'm, I'm not sure who said it. It was probably a, a dead theologian, but I think one of the guys said, uh, our hearts are idol making factories. And, um, yeah. and I think it was, a. Uh, uh, another, I don't know if it was Driscoll or who coined it, but you know, we we oftentimes take good things and we make them God things, and that's when they become bad things. Yeah. So I think it's just it's it's cause for us to um, have gut checks and check our heart level motivation and why do we want what we want? Why are we upset? Why are we struggling? Why are we discouraged? And just to really begin to peel back the layers, mm. allow allow the shepherd to begin to shepherd us. Yeah. So I, just that that. The personal prioritizing, taking care of yourself, paying close attention to your doctrine, um, walking with Christ daily, um, enjoying him. I mean, J.D. Greer talks about just really enjoying your relationship with Christ so that you know in Christ nothing that you can do to make God love you more and nothing that you can make God love you less. So really resting in the finished work of the cross and allowing the motivation for ministry to flow out of that. Cause I really do think as we tell this to church planners all the time, the, the single greatest gift that you can give your community is your intimacy with Jesus. That's right. Because then it's authentic. And then you really care about people yep. and you don't need something from them. Like you, you don't need anything from them. You can give simply because you love the Lord and you want them to enjoy him. So, uh, so yeah, man, prioritizing your your personal walk with with Christ. I mean, yeah, which good. is hard because we we are we are pro, so prone to care for others, but man, you got to take care of yourself first. Mm. Amen, amen. So good, man. So, Mike, I want to go ahead and wrap up and just ask you um, to maybe share what are what's one or two of the most exciting things that you see happening right now uh, as far as the church planting landscape goes across North America. What what do you see that gets you excited about the future? Yeah, I, I I would say, you know, we are in a new, um, I think, phase now where the, the focus is not so much, you know, you mentioned a second ago, Matt, the focus is not so much on um, a gathering a large crowd and having a large church, but really thinking about multiplication, like yeah. if we're going to see multiplication. So yeah. for us within the SIN network, that really is the bullseye. I mean, what we what we long with the sin network is we long to see a multiplying church in every community across North America. Yeah. Multiplying church does the hard work of discovering, developing and deploying church planning teams from within to see more people Christ. And so that's what is really exciting for us. So everything that we do right now is aimed at um, seeing churches become multiplying churches. Um, so I think that that's, that's really um, that's really, really exciting. And I think one of the other things that excites me is all that we're doing right now for uh, spouses and what we're aiming our yeah. men versus that. So we've done a lot for the church planter and we're really focusing on spouse development in ways that we never before. Right now, our team is developing a training 
um, they'll have a coaching element to it for the spouses of our church planters, kind of utilizing some of the same strategy that we have with our SIN network training and having training cohorts, licensed trainers. We want to have the same thing for spouses. Look and feel will be a little bit different, kind of like an overnight retreat kind of deal where they they get into a cohort and they're trained um, and then have some follow up like Zoom type things uh, with other ladies in their context. So I'm really excited about the direction with Multiplying Church, focusing on that yeah. and leading churches to become multiplying churches and equipping them to do that. But then also what we're doing for the spouses of our church planters. Really excited. Man, dude, that's so awesome. Like, it, I, I tell you, it, it is, man, before we wrap this up, we just want to say thank you to you, bro. The way you care for us and, and the way Sin Champions Church Planners is unbelievable. I tell people all the time, the Sin Network is the greatest church planning network in the world. North American Mission Board is the greatest church planning organization in the world. And uh, I, I know be, we say that because we're products of it. And I think the things that we're seeing right now, man, are just unbelievable from start to finish, the way uh, Send is coming around planners and caring for planners, what we're seeing right now, what I what what we're so excited about, man, is we we tried just to when we got here, we just tried to do it, man. We didn't know what we were doing, and we just did it, and God showed up, and He did it, mm-hmm. and we multiply for the glory of God. But man, to be able to sit down with guys like Dino and yourself and Charles Campbell and other guys who are teaching us Mac Lake, teaching us how to do like these pipelines. And having a clear pipeline from start to finish, we're about to roll that out in August and um, for our network, man, and, and to really have guys see the finish line and what that looks like. It's just unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. These tools are just so good, so good. So we want to say thanks, bro, seriously. Hey, man, we're honored, man. You guys are number one customer. It's a privilege to come alongside you guys. So thanks again for y'all's time and allowing me to be a part of this. You bet, Micah. Thank you so much, man. Well. And hey, we want to thank uh, our listeners this week as well for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure you head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com, and there you can find other episodes and you can find the show notes. And uh, if you want to get in touch with Micah, have any questions for him, or uh, go to Send Network's website, we'll have the link there and we'll have uh, a link to Micah's Twitter, uh, and you can give him a shout on Twitter as well. Uh, and hey, we need your help getting the word out about In the Trenches. So if this podcast has been beneficial to you, if it's been a blessing to you, then uh, do us a huge favor and, and, and share it uh, on social media. And then make sure you go and subscribe uh, to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, and leave a written review, five stars only, please. Only five stars. Only five stars. Uh, that would really help us out a lot. And it'll help get this podcast into the hands of more planters. So Hey, guys, we'll be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.